Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, with today being an unusual day, we'll have the kids in here later today, I felt inclined to preach an, un- an unusual Christmas message. I've titled today's message after a very popular kids game called Hide and Seek. Has anyone ever played Hide and Seek? I would assume a lot of you have, most of you have, either as a kid or as an adult or a teen, anywhere in between that we've been able to play the the classic game over the years of Hide and Seek. At Thanksgiving time, I played this with my niece and nephew. We were at the Griffin's house and and Remy told me, go tell Preston to come find me. I'm going to hide and he has to try to find me. I don't know if you've been to the Griffin's house, but it's very hard to find one small child in that massive house. And so Preston set out with the the desire to find Remy, but he got a little distracted along the way. And so poor Remy was sitting there for quite a while um, before eventually, eventually uh, Preston and I were able to find her. Uh, maybe, Maybe you've played a similar game to hide and seek. Maybe you've played tag or has anyone heard of sardines? Sardines is a classic youth game. Um, that I've played where instead of everyone hiding, one person seeking, it's one person hiding and everyone is trying to find that one person. And so I've played this at all-nighters and youth group, and and the, the goal is that each person, once they find that person that's hiding, they sit with them as well until everyone has found them, until the last person who doesn't find them is it for the next round. And so let me tell you a quick story. Growing up in Youngstown, we played this at our church all-nighter for New Year's Eve. And I was young. I was probably 12 or 13, just started to go to to youth group. And there was one round of games uh, where all of a sudden, during the round of sardines, there was a group of people sitting on the couch in the lobby of the church next to the Christmas tree. And I was naive, and I was foolish. And I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Why, Why aren't you playing the game? And they're like, well, we're just, we're bored of this round. We'll wait till the next round to play. And, and so they're all like 16, 17-year-old. They're, they're making fun of me. And I, it's going over my head. I'm like, you guys are dumb. Like, this is stupid. I'm going to go find the person wherever they are. I didn't realize the person was hiding underneath the Christmas tree. And there wasn't enough space for everyone to hide there. So they decided to make it up that they had quit the game. And actu- actuality, they were all hiding. And so it took me a long time to figure that out, what was going on. Um, The hide-and-seek is a game that's been around for centuries. If you look, according to uh, Britannica.com, hide-and-seek was described by a Greek writer, um, Julius Pollux, in the second century B.C. It's been around for for centuries, really since the beginning of time. Different versions have been recorded. The Elizabethan England mentions it in, in their text of uh, hiding, but also with blindfolds. You had to do it while you were blindfolded in their version of the game. So anyways, games and versions, uh, versions of this game has been found all around the world, all different countries. Concept has been around since the beginning of time, but I would submit that we've seen a version of hide and seek from the beginning with Adam and Eve. If you remember the story of Adam and Eve, they, they were playing this game not with each other, they were playing it with God. When Adam and Eve disobeyed and the serpent came and deceived them, they ate the forbidden fruits, and this is what happened right after they disobeyed. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, 
they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The first time that anyone hid from anyone is Adam and Eve feebly attempting to hide from God. And God asked the question, where are you? I believe this question, where are you, is a question that God has been asking people for centuries to every single person. Where are you? We're going to look at some of the ways in which we hide from God. We're going to briefly look through different stories in the Bible of people hiding from God. We can go not, not far into the Bible after Adam and Eve to see the story of Moses. Moses has grown up an Israelite, but he's killed an Egyptian. And God appears to him as a burning bush telling him to go back to Egypt, to go before Pharaoh, and, and to plead with him to let their people go. Look at the words of Moses three different times as he's talking to God in the encounter with the burning bush. Exodus 3.13. He says, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? Skip down to Exodus 4.1. It says, Moses answered, Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Skip down to verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Three different times, Moses responds to God with excuses. Our first point is one of the ways that we hide from God is we hide by excuses. I forgot to mention this earlier, but if you want to follow our outline today, you can follow by the YouVersion Bible app or the Church Center app. You can follow along with your notes. One way that we hide from God is hiding by excuses. There's always going to be an excuse for why we need to be in hiding, why we can't do what God is asking us to do, why we can't obey him. Three different times, Moses attempts to find excuses for why he can't obey God. And I think it's safe to say that we hide from God because we don't want to be stretched in our faith. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to do things that are difficult. We make excuses for why we can't follow God. Maybe one of those excuses is we can't follow him because we've done too many bad things. Think about Moses. I'm sure in the back of his mind he's thinking about the fact he's murdered someone. How could God use him if, he, if he's messed up so much? He's made such a big mistake. Moses came up with excuse after excuse. And friends, there will always be a reason. There will always be an excuse for why we can't do what God is asking us to do. But we have to know anything that God asks us to do is for a purpose. He has never given me, given me a meaningless task in my life. It is always for my better. It is always for the people around me for their better to bless them. And when you tell God that you're too busy, God, I can't go to church right now. I can't give to that person in need. 
I can't, I can't talk to that person about Jesus. I'm too shy. That's not in my personality. When you do that, you're saying you understand your schedule and your finances and your personality better than God does. Excuses is saying, God, actually, I have a better idea of what I should be doing with my time. I'm a better Lord of my life than you are. Anyone else feel convicted today, right? Yeah, ouch, that hurts. When we make excuses, we're saying we are a better Lord of our life. But what did God say to Moses? When Moses made that excuse of the stuttering problem, keeping him from going back to Egypt, verse, verse 11 and 12, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Then he said, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God reminds Moses that no excuse is bigger than God because God is the one who created you and knows everything about you. And if he's created you, he's created within you the capacity to accomplish anything. I thought that would get more. I'll try over here. If God has created you, he's created within you the capacity to fulfill what he's asked you to do. I was a little bit better over there. Moses wasn't the only person, though, that, that struggled with this. You see throughout the Bible, remember the story of Jonah. Jonah ran from God. Jo look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of of the Lord. Some of us hide from God with excuses, and some of us are hiding by simply running. Number two is running the other way. Some people are like, I'm not just going to hide. I'm going to run. I'm going to get out of here. Let me ask you, when has running away from a problem ever made things better? When has it ever actually solved a situation? It may fix it for a moment, you may be able to avoid it for a while, but you cannot avoid God. Not for very long. You might be able to run from some of your problems. That's what Jonah does. He tries to run the opposite direction, get in a boat, and what happens? A storm comes up. And Jonah says, guys, to be honest with you, this storm right here, it's because of me. And if you throw me into the water, throw me into the sea, you'll, you'll be safe. And they, they had no problem doing that. They said, okay, if you say so, throw them overboard. But even in that situation, when Jonah disobeyed, when he ran away from God, God didn't leave him to die. He brought a big fish to preserve Jonah. And from the belly of that fish, what did Jonah say? Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. I want you to know that even when we run away from God, you can always call to him in your distress. He will hear your voice, he will answer you, and he will deliver you. Amen. That is our God. That is the gospel. There's nowhere, there's nowhere that you can run away from God and be away from his presence. David knew this. That's why he wrote in Psalm 139, he said, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. 
You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. That is such an excellent chapter. We're actually going to read more of that chapter before we end the service today. But let's just stop there for a minute. It says, God has searched me and known me. That's past tense. He's already searched you out before you were born. He already knew everything there was to know about you. Think about the people that love you the most. They want to get to know you more and more. They want to learn everything there is to know about you. If you go out on a date with somebody and all they do is talk about themselves and they don't ask any questions about you, the point is to get to know you. God knows you better than anyone else on the planet. And he loves you. It doesn't matter if you've hid or you've run from God because our God is a personal God and he wants a personal relationship with you. We think about the big things about God. But can I take a moment to remind you the small things? That yes, God knows everything, but he also knows everything about you. Yes, God is everywhere, but he's also everywhere with you. Yes, God created everything, but he started, he created everything about you. He's a personal God, and he desires a personal relationship with you today. You say, Matt, you you may say these things, but you don't know my story. I'm telling you, God knows the best things about you, and he knows the worst things about you. He knows the things that you're proud of and the things you don't want anyone to ever know about you, and yet he loves you more than anyone else. Your story is not that much different from those in the Bible. Moses killed somebody. Jonah ran the opposite direction from God. Fast forward to the New Testament. Think about Peter. Peter was with Jesus constantly. Every single day, seeing him perform miracles, healings, preaching the word of God. And yet what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus? He fled. Look at it from, from John 18, 15. Look at the beginning and the end of this passage. Really important. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I'm not. You know, we can hide and make excuses. We can hide and run in the opposite direction. And we also can hide by denying. Denying that we know Jesus. We can choose to hide from God and deny that we follow him, deny that we trust him. And I think it's ironic. Look at the beginning, that first verse of 15. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus. And then the last part, when he's asked, are you a disciple of this man, Jesus? He said, I am not. Now, I know it's literal in the beginning where Simon Peter was literally following behind Jesus. But it made me think, you know, we can follow Jesus by what our words say, but then by our actions, we can live a whole different life. We can live by God saying, yes, I follow you, I surrender to you, but our actions can actually deny and be in conflict with what we're saying. 
Think about Titus. Titus talked about this to the church. He said in 115, to the pure, all things are pure. To the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. What you say can communicate one thing, but your actions can communicate another. What, what are your actions saying? Are they showing excuses or obedience? Are they showing you running from God or running to God? Are they showing denial or faith and trust in God? Peter was in denial in this moment to protect himself. You know, it, it's odd to me that he was afraid he stayed out while the other disciple, we believe it to be John, he did this whole thing where he would never really say his name in the gospel. It's kind of a weird thing he did. But he was like the other disciple. He had connections, so he was able to go in. But Peter had to stay out. That Peter would say that he followed Jesus, but when it got difficult, when things got challenging, Three times, Peter denied. We cannot hide from God and say that we love God. Those are in conflict to one another. At some point, we will have to return. We will have to repent. And thankfully, that when we do repent, his pursuit of us, even when we're bad, his pursuit of us is relentless. And his love for us is persistent and his grace for us is constant. And I'm asking you today, would you lay aside excuses? Would you stop running? Would you stop denying the Father and run towards him today? After his resurrection, there's a reason Jesus came to Peter. And he said three times, Peter, do you love me? This is a moment of repentance of saying, I'm done hiding from you, God. I'm sorry that I hid. Please forgive me. I'm not going to deny you anymore. And Jesus said, if you love me, he said, if you love me, yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Live it out by your actions in the future. I told you I'd go back to Psalm 139 before we ended. Remember the beginning, it said, oh Lord, you, you've searched me. You've known me. Look at what he says after that in verse seven. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Such a powerful, packed passage of scripture. It starts with where can we go? Is there anywhere in the world that we can truly hide from God? He says heaven is not too high for God. Hell is not too low for God. God is everywhere. And even more, he desires to lead you and to hold you. And I love that last part. It says you can't even hide in the darkness. Because God is everywhere. And wherever he is, there is light. I know probably this whole time you've been thinking, Matt, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? I'm getting to the Christmas theme of this message. 
Think about the light in the darkness. Think about how John starts his gospel before Jesus was born. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Brent, if you'd come up as we close this time. I believe from the beginning of time, we have seen hiding and seeking take place from Adam and Eve, where God said, where are you? I think that same question is being asked to you and me today. Matt, where are you? Where are you at with your relationship with God today? Are you seeking me? Are you making excuses like Moses? Are you running in the opposite direction like Jonah? Are you denying him by your actions like Peter? Every single time, God was still seeking after his people. And God asked Adam and Eve, he said, where are you? And he revealed himself. No matter how far you've run from his presence, no matter where you have gone, God will find you. He sent a burning bush for Moses in the middle of the wilderness. He sent a fish to, to spare the life of Jonah and bring him back into his will. He found Peter fishing and told him, brought him to the shore and told him to feed his sheep. Jesus put on flesh and was born of humble beginnings, all in an attempt to find us. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so at Christmas time, we celebrate the beginning of a great God who would send his son into the world. Jesus came seeking and saving the lost. I'm asking you today to quit hiding, quit running, quit denying. You know, we seek out all types of things in this world that we consider valuable. I think about value. You know, we can look at all kinds of valuable things in our lives. We, we seek out accolades and platforms and finances, all these things that we seek out. We seek them out because we think they're valuable. Do you know the reason that God seeks you out is because he sees you as valuable. He sees you as the greatest treasure. I know there are times where you don't feel valuable. You feel that you've messed up, that how could anyone see value in you? I'm telling you, God sees you as the greatest treasure. That's why he came to seek and to save the whole world. It is his desire that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. I think of the story, maybe you've heard of the Oak Island treasure. Where I believe it's in Nova Scotia, hundreds of years ago, they believe Black, uh, Blackbeard himself dug deep uh, gold in this deep pit. And whoever dares to, to intrude it, they'll, they'll be trapped in there, they'll, they'll drown. But of course, that hasn't stopped people for hundreds of years trying to go in there using millions of dollars to find that treasure. Unfortunately, they, they have struggled to find it. They found carvings, they found things here and there, but the pit keeps collapsing and filling with water. 
And after more challenges and disappointments, they, they decided that the pit was too dangerous at one point, but then more explorers came later because they knew it as a money pit and they found that to be the most valuable thing they could spend their time, their money, their resources on. They patiently have been pursuing it. And yet you are a greater treasure that God has been patiently pursuing for years and years. He has pursued you, he has known you, and he will continue to seek you all of our life. And that is the beauty of the religion of Christianity, following Jesus. Because every other religion, it's man trying to find God. It's man trying to pursue God. But in Christianity, it is God trying to find his people. It is God seeking his people. And I'm asking you today, as God has been seeking you out every single day of your life, stop running from God today. Run to the Father. Would you stand with me as we close today? I want to show you one last verse as a reminder as we close. At the end of the Bible, there's Revelation. This is what it says in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I believe there are some people today that God is knocking on your door. And I'm asking you, don't wait. Don't say, I'll make that decision later. I'm going to live life how I want to now. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to God later. Friend, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You can't live with that guarantee. And I'm asking you to accept the greatest gift you possibly could accept this Christmas season. It's the gift of the Son, salvation. Now, when we call on God's name, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, believe he died and was resurrected for my sin and turn from our sin, we become a child of God with the inheritance of heaven. Today's your day. This is your opportunity. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads as we close? I wanna start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for two different groups of people. And the first is those that you have never received this gift or you did a long time ago and you've been running away. You've been denying God by your, by your actions. If that's you, today is the greatest opportunity to get right with God to accept Jesus into your life. If that's you and you've never accepted that gift or you did years and years ago, would you slip up your hand so I can pray with you in mind? No one looking around. This is just between you and God. I'm just gonna pray with you in my mind. One more chance. All right, we're gonna pray together. I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me with this prayer. Would you say, dear Lord, I thank you for your son. Thank you for sending him to earth to die for me, to become the ransom of my sin. I acknowledge you as Lord. I repent of my sins. I'm done running away from you. I'm running towards you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads down, eyes, eyes closed for one more second. I want to pray for a second group before we end. We know from the Bible there are many stories of these people that were following Jesus, following God, and yet they still ran and they still hid. And maybe you're here today, you say, I've accepted Jesus into my heart, but the way I've been living right now, I've been hiding, I've been making excuses, I've been running away from what he's been asking me to do. I have a relationship with him. 
but I wanna commit myself to following him with every aspect of my life. If that's you today and you want prayer, would you slip up your hand? I said, I'm, I'm done running, running from God. Yes, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. I see hands all over the place. Let's pray together, church. God, I pray for each and every person in this room that not just by our words, but also by our actions, we would commit ourselves wholeheartedly to following you. That we would be done running away, that we would done, be done making excuses, that each morning we'd wake up saying, God, what do you have for me today? Help me to be hearing you at each aspect, each part of my day and following you with my whole heart. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy that just like in the Bible, when people ran and they hid, you still were pursuing them. You were still seeking them. And today you are seeking out people right here in this building. I pray a blessing over each person that you would strengthen them, that you would help remind them of this Christmas time. It was the beginning of Jesus coming to earth to seek and save us. We thank you for this. And in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.